Hey there, welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's interview guest is Chris Russell, also known as Watkey, that funny USMNT video guy on Twitter. We've had some great guests lately, including Celine Gounder and Robbie Sicka, Luis Garcia, and Danny Higginbotham. So check those out. Now, here's my interview with Chris Russell. Our guest now is Chris Russell. You may know him better as that guy at Watkey underscore on Twitter who makes hilarious video clips about the U.S. men's national team, asking things like whether Matthew Hoppy has become an elite, annoying player already. That went viral. Chris, congrats on your stuff, which I absolutely love. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Grant. That was, that was I would say, a little bit too kind there, but I, I appreciate <laughs> it, and I'm excited to talk to you. So you have legit made me laugh so much recently with your videos. How long have you been doing U.S. men's national team videos? And at what point did you start dialing up the humor aspect? I started doing videos in 2019, and they were, I would make uh, compilation videos of, of soccer players in the USL and MOS, and then just did that for long enough that I, I, I eventually, um, I did silent videos. And people started complaining that there was no noise. So I added, I started with elevator music and then started doing some kazoo music, which was really polarizing for folks. Um, so then I kind of had to step back a little bit from the videos from that, regained my uh, you know footing and came back and I thought I'd, I'd do some talking over the videos. <laughs> and that was, that was earlier this year. <laughs> and... When did the humor come in? Well, I, I was not immediately aware that the videos were actually funny. <laughs> so it's hard for me to say exactly. But it, it seems like people started saying every now and then. Not everyone thinks they're funny, by the way. Some people are pretty annoyed <laughs> by enough. them. But that, that was uh, this year, a few months ago, really. I, I mean, your delivery on some of these is sort of Stephen Wright-ish. I, I don't know if you agree with that comparison or if there's something else you're, you're going for, but I, I love the deadpan. Well, I'll happily accept that comparison. And <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, I also know, actually, like, tr you know, you're right. Not everyone thinks everything is funny, but like doing things that people find humorous, that's kind of... I don't know. That's a risk. I like because you want people to like the stuff. Yeah, and a lot of people do, by the way. But like, is there a feeling yeah. of like, I'm taking a risk here? I feel I found as long as there's something about soccer in it, that you take some at least mostly soccer related thing out of it in a 30 second video, then people will not be so angry that their time's been wasted if they don't like it. That that they'll <laughs> that they'll at least say it. they won't say anything to you at least. So I try I try to make them really about soccer, and then if. If something I say is funny, then, then that's great. But So let's talk about this Matthew Hoppy uh, video that you made. Really looking at... One of the surprises of this Gold Cup tournament to me was the attitude that Hoppy had, which we hadn't really seen much of in Germany right. when he hit his club. He is a, kind of a total shithouser yeah. already at a very young age, doing that against Mexico in the Gold Cup final. Like, at what point... How did this idea come together to make this video well i well first of all i don't know where this came from from him we didn't really we, you're right we did not know he was just some really nice young man who somehow got a chance at Schalke and scored a bunch of goals We're like yeah and we also thought he was a striker at that point 
Maybe he right. still is. But then he comes in and he's a winger and he's a real jerk on the field. I love it, by the way, but just <laughs> just a, a handful out there. And uh, the idea to do it is that's just what people were talking about, basically. So I say, all right, I'll 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 cut together all the moments of him being you know, a little bit over the top with some of his stuff and then make a video of it. Yeah, you're right, because I had him on the podcast, kind of nice, young, religious young man. <laughs> I'm sure he is. He is, he, he is nice from every interview. He's nice. He just has a personality on the field that I <laughs> has an edge. Oh, shoot. What was your favorite part of, of the virality of that particular video that it got in the Washington Post or anything else? That was by far my favorite part. By far, because now I can send that to my, you know, my family, and they think I'm like successful now. <laughs> like I made the Washington Post, guys. Oh my goodness! Um, what are some of your favorite videos that you've done so far? I tend to make them and then move to the next one to not think about it. Um, I I did one about James Sands I really like, where I talked more about how we didn't really know if he was good or if anyone was good, um, and and about how my main motivation for everything is just to get Twitter likes. That's the one, that was the one that was probably the most personal to me because it really is. That's, I, I, I should have included that at the beginning. The, the reason I make videos where I talk over them is because I felt like I needed to to get more likes. <laughs> I don't actually have any real attachment to doing it. It's just Twitter is a drug. And once you start on it, you have to keep escalating or you're going to crash hard. I am just about to go on vacation and looking forward to a week without Twitter. Twitter can be a nice thing, but it's also very much a drug. I need to get it off my phone, especially. Um, but uh, yeah, you got a lot of Twitter likes, my friend. I, like um, One of my personal favorites was the Greg Burhalter clip um, where you get into his moment with the fourth official in the mm-hmm. semifinal after the the goal against Qatar and um and he just sort of loses his mind and starts yeah. like celebrating in front of the fourth official and you remind everyone on the video that Greg Burhalter in case he forgotten is from New Jersey and that's just like how they greet each other there <laughs> yeah and i i think we kind of misunderstand Burhalter a little bit i think is the main thing I thought of him as this like kind of you know docile, almost academic type guy, but he's really intense. He's like <laughs> he might be a maniac. He's like he holds it in, and then when he lets it go, it's like hello. Yeah. Um, to the point where like I still think like some of his interactions with Tata Martino, the Mexico coach, this mm-hmm. summer have been pretty funny. Like there was the moment in the Nations League final where they like. Berhalter had his arm around Tata and they're looking up as Tata gets a red card for <laughs> interfering with the ref who's like in the middle of a VAR review. That was an all-time moment. That was fantastic. And then before the final of the Gold Cup, Greg goes over big smiley and gives him a hug. But this was like the day after they had been jousting with each other in their respective press conferences. Is there going to be a moment where Greg loses it because there's two World Cup qualifiers coming up against Mexico in the next several months, like where Greg loses it with Tata Martino. I think that's entirely possible. Uh, there's <laughs> al- I also think Greg is such a student of the game that he's going to review his tape from these past, from this Gold Cup, and say, "All right, I need. I'm going to find some areas where I can just like 
you know, center myself a little bit and not <laughs> curse at the fourth official directly to his face to celebrate a goal. What's he doing? What? That was great. It was surprising, though. I remember when it emerged on Twitter in the in the moments after it happened was like a screen grab. Mm-hmm. a still one and then the video came out and my, my my first reaction was oh wow that's greg i wasn't expecting that who responds that way and then he ends up apologizing for it in the press conference maybe thinking he might have gotten sanctioned by Concacaf if he didn't yeah um but it, it, like it was so interesting to me like some of the responses because I, I tweeted, like, I kind of love this from Greg. Like, obviously, you shouldn't be a jackass with the, the fourth official. But it showed a fire that we hadn't seen yeah. all the time. And then my friend Andres Contour, who's over in Japan and should have been sleeping but wasn't, like, responds, like, it should have been a red card. <laughs> I was just <laughs> like, come on, man. It, well, it, it should have been something, probably. But it, you're right. It was. I think it was the moment where... It, I, it felt like a turning point for fans liking him on Twitter. Everyone loved that thing. <laughs> it was absurd, but everyone loved it. Is it? I, I'm interested in the psychology of this because I agree with that. Is it because Concacaf has such a brand name at this yeah. point of like we know what it is to be Concacaf that we actually are so accustomed to it that we kind of want our own U.S. people being good at it. Yeah, I was actually, that was something I was hoping to ask you and you have an answer for. <laughs> people are really into the concacafing stuff. <laughs> it's by far the most popular topic that I do anything about, certainly. I, and I've noticed pretty much for everyone else, too. There's something about it people just love. I, part of it is just... It's just entertaining, I guess, <laughs> whether it's in CONCACAF or it's in Europe or wherever, South America. I, I, I think that's the main thing. But there, I think there's also this feeling that we need to have a little, be a little bit more assertive in our, in our gamesmanship. And there's some, people are happy to see us doing a better job of that, <laughs> I think. I, just so everyone knows, I am all for fair play. I don't like cheating. <laughs> like I, I was getting these tweets of like this is going to be terrible for youth sports and yeah. and, and like come on <laughs> yeah well I, I, there's always people that say that and to be fair it is kind of cheating a little bit <laughs> so I get that but also you know it's a game it's just it's supposed to be fun so we're gonna have we're gonna have so much of this during the the World Cup qualifying tournament, which starts in less than a month. I cannot wait. Um, I can't believe it's already starting. <laughs> so let's step back here. What's your story, man? Like, like, what do you do? How did you get into this? Where do you live? All that stuff. I my story. Uh, I'm from Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. I live in New York. I work as a. I write corporate training videos and do other copywriting stuff. And I got into this a couple years ago. I listened. I've always been a fan of the national team, but not an online one. Mm-hmm. But I would come in and check every now and then again. And somehow I found a podcast of Adam Bell's interviewing Sergino Dest. And it was just an amazing interview because Sergino Dest will just say whatever. I don't know if it's because he's just kind of an interesting guy or it's sort of a little bit of the Dutch culture there. But I was yeah. 
fascinated by the interview and I kept listening to that podcast and that got me in. I, then I found out about USMNT Twitter and then I've, I've kind of been, like I was saying, Twitter, it becomes an addiction at that point. I've just been hooked on it since. The summer of soccer continues on Paramount+. Plus. Stream over 2,000 soccer matches a year from around the world. That's all the heart-pounding drama from CBS Sports, including UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Italy's Serie A, Argentina's Primera División, the Brasileirao, the NWSL, the Asian Football Confederation, and the CONCACAF qualifiers, featuring the stars from the U.S. and Mexican men's national teams. Plus, much more. It's the best of the beautiful game, with all the beautiful names, like Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Rapino, and Pulisic. Be part of the excitement as champions are crowned and history is made. The world's game lives here on Paramount+. Plus. Visit ParamountPlus.com to start your free trial and stream every match live. You mentioned Adam Bells and his Scuff podcast, which has gotten quite popular. Uh, it's very good. We had Adam on uh, for an interview on this show a while back. And you mentioned USMNT Twitter. And I, I want to ask you about that particular thing, because there's obviously different types of Twitter. And, and soccer Twitter is, is another one of those. But there's also USMNT Twitter, mm-hmm. which I think has been sort of underdocumented, strangely, given how many people seem to be part of it. How would you describe what USMNT Twitter is? Well, I think the main thing to understand about it, or from my point of view, is the national team really plays pretty few games a year. So most of the time, there's nothing to do, but there's this group of people who've decided to fill all of the time with constant constant conversation about the national team and so it just kind of takes this obsessive form that at times can be ridiculous but i think overall is a a fairly pleasant community i I agree with you on that um because i certainly have lots of interactions with usmnt twitter it gets pretty granular uh i've noticed in the sense of like updates on american players in mls but also abroad um yeah 15 year olds and Slovenia, or it's it, it's expensive. <laughs> and I do wonder sometimes about whether that exists with other countries, soccer fans and in, in, in men's national team fans. I don't know. Is there like Argentine national team Twitter? <laughs> I, th- I, th- it must have a different, must be different there because I, when the, in the U.S., I mean, there's people that like different clubs from all over, but. There's for a lot of people they just don't have a club team so they just like that's kind of what I do I just pick the national team because I can relate to it and in Argentina they're this is kind of unrelated but their youth national team camps they call up like 300 people I don't know how you possibly track Argentina they just have too many good players <laughs> we have a smaller number of good players so it's more manageable I think eventually we'll get to the point where USMNT Twitter as it exists now can't because we'll just there'll be too many players to keep track of we'll just watch the games that'll, that'll be the end of it that's where we're heading i think uh which is a, a good sign with with development and how that's going um yeah. and when i ask you about so you, you have a full-time job doing mm-hmm. doing something else um how much of your time do you devote like in a week to this stuff a lot <laughs> uh, to put a number on it it's difficult to say because it's the main thing i think about at all times but <laughs> 
basically a full-time job worth of time i would so i've got it's it's really severely negatively impacted my job performance and my actual job i think they're starting to notice too i'm laughing but i'm not um is it is this work rate sustainable is my next question no, are you gonna not. flame out my man? i'm absolutely gonna flame out i got a month tops I'm gonna try to make it to the end of the year. Oh shoot! Um, and, and like, literally, I'm not an expert on what you do to produce these videos. Like, how do you do it? Like, how, like how, like the Hoppy video, for example. Like, how did you? How much time did it take to put together? How do you do it? The do you write a, that script and do the voiceovers because your your voiceover delivery is pretty great. Like, it seems pretty involved. It, it'll it'll vary from video to video, but with the videos about national Heap games i get a i have a recording of the game so i've got a big video file and i go through it and cut out or select all the clips that are in any way interesting and then look at them and then think of a few different videos i can make from it then I, that one i take out the hoppy clips cut it into i don't remember how long it was but as short of a video as possible that has the interesting clips in it and then i'll normally just start i'll i'll watch it and start talking as I do it and um, I'll have some idea before I do it and then I'll just say a bunch of stuff and try to both say things unrelated and then comment on what's happening on the screen to fill time. Basically I'm just trying to fill enough time that I have enough commentary for a video. So you do you not script it? Uh, I don't, I, it's a, sometimes I will but as I'm I, I don't read the script as I'm talking. I'll, I'll, Actually yeah. That makes sense. I mean, like, what, one thing I've noticed, and it's been a challenge for me because I've done a couple of scripted narrative podcast series, is they want you, and I get it, to have the script but not sound like you're reading a script. Yeah, which is hard to do. That's why I don't read it because otherwise, not that I doesn't sound a little bit like I'm reading anyway, but... No, man, yeah. it's, it's a huge challenge. Um, yeah. And I, I'm still not totally there yet on, on my stuff. Um, I want to ask about rights holders, because mm -hmm. obviously video rights holders, corporations pay money for stuff like this. And, and I would argue that what you do increases the interest in their properties. They may not look at it that way. How does that work? Have you had to deal with any of that stuff? The, the, the leagues and it, how it works is I'm talking in terms of videos posted to Twitter. If you're on YouTube, you post a video, it's either going to get rejected or um, go up right away. On Twitter, you post it and hope that a league doesn't file a complaint with Twitter, who then will give you a strike, delete the video. And the theory is if you get three strikes, your account gets suspended. But it's all, a lot of it's kind of random and it's all on a league by league basis. And European leagues do not like you posting videos to Twitter. I feel like I'm tempting fate by saying this, but MLS is completely fine with it. And so is CONCACAF. But UEFA is not. That's so, so MLS and CONCACAF, if you're listening to this, continue to be good people. Please. I regret <laughs> even speaking. I'm so sorry to bring this up. If it, it causes a problem for you. No, I it's okay. I'm eventually, my account's going to get suspended. It's, it's unavoidable. I'm, I'm playing with copyright fire here. I have two uh. strikes. You get three strikes, you're gone. I've got two. So I, I can't do European videos anymore. Gotcha. This brings up my next question, and this is what I would propose, is that you get hired by a, a rights holder like 
for the U.S. men's national team like ESPN or Fox Sports or hell, why not Univision? Um, and that, you know, men in blazers eventually got hired by NBC after they did work for ESPN and they're doing sort of humorous stuff with soccer and videos. Would you have any interest in a rights holder hiring you to do these things that make people laugh? If someone wanted to pay me to make soccer videos, I would absolutely accept that offer. <laughs> yes. Yes, I don't know. I don't know how realistic that is, but yeah, it would be that would be pretty cool. So the agent's fee that I could collect for doing what I just did can offset, hopefully, yeah. any negative things I just caused with the previous question. I think you're good. I think you we've made up for you. you you've helped me out here in the end. <laughs> I think you probably would have helped me out anyway by having me on your podcast, but I, I appreciate it. I, I just want to be more of a positive than a negative here. <laughs> um. The name Watke, what's that about? Um, that is my grandparents' name, or mother's maiden name would be another way to phrase that. Um, I just picked it because it was simple, and it was something that, I don't know, meant something to me. You don't seem to have like a different persona on these types of interviews than on your videos. So like th that sounds, this sounds like it's you. Well, I'm glad it sounds like it's... It's me. I did feel like I was being myself right now. I, I, I am sometimes not sure how I come across in the videos if I'm doing a character or not. So I think to some extent, I mean, I obviously say things I don't fully mean in there, but I, I do think it's generally me. When I'm <laughs> because this is, this is interesting because like Alexi Lawless just did an interview with Leander Sharlockins for his um, Substack newsletter. And Alexi's very open about mm -hmm. saying that the character he plays on TV is not who he is in real life. And I can verify that because I spent a fair amount of time in real life with Alexi, who is a wonderful human being in real life, but actually is often hated for his character on TV. And, that, and that's kind of wild to me. It, it's really interesting. I have heard he's a really nice guy. Other, he other is. than his TV character, his TV character is like not a bad guy or anything, but he's he's a bit of a he's he's getting a rise out of folks for sure. Whereas Ray Hudson, for example, is literally in real life exactly who he is on <laughs> TV, and he gets so excited about stuff, and and that's awesome too. And he's I, I really guess, like that. Oh yeah, no, I mean like it, it's Ray is. I find this fascinating because I used to cover college basketball and Dick Vitale, for example, is not on in real life the same as he is on TV. He's not a bad guy Whoa. or anything. He's just much more muted. He's not like saying dipsy doo dunkaroo like when you talk to him on the phone. Whereas Ray Hudson really is like this. He's screaming out ecclesiastical. <laughs> Maybe not totally, but... The enthusiasm is is still very much there. Like I'll, I'll go on Ray's uh, Sirius XM show every once in a while, and literally, like when we're talking off camera, or you know, not for the show itself, he's he's the same. So. I like that. I like knowing that. I, I, I mean, come it, to have respect though for like I used to think like if you were performing that that somehow wasn't good I, I i respect all of it now however anyone approaches it. i think in general we give tv people too hard of a time both the studio and definitely the play-by-play -play guys that has got to be the hardest thing in the world to talk for 90 minutes and then we criticize they slip up once and we, we criticize them for that but yeah 
I mean, that's a long time that John Strong and Stuart Holden, for example, are, are yeah. on the air with Space to Fill. Whereas, actually, if you add up the minutes that Lawless is on from the studio, is not that many, you know? Yeah. I guess he's got to do a quick however long it is. That's probably why it makes sense to do the character. You've got to, you have to engage a broad television audience there. So you have a YouTube site as well, right? In addition to your Twitter. I do. I, I mostly post the videos I put to Twitter. I put them up there later, but I'm going to start doing some longer ones where it, that'll just be on YouTube. Okay. And are you getting to a point when so many people are seeing some of these where you might actually be able to do some ads or get some revenue? I think, I don't think it's going to be enough to make significant money from ads because it's still a pretty small audience. It's just a pretty enthusiastic one. So maybe, maybe at, at some point I would next year or something do a Patreon to cover my subscription fees to watch Fubo and, and you know, ESPN Plus and Paramount and Peacock. And there's going to be a few more by the time spring comes. So I think you could do a video on what you were just referring to, which is the the abject pain that soccer fans in the U.S. go through to have to pay for so many subscriptions to watch soccer these it's days. It's a lot. I have, and then you get a bunch, and you end up just having overlapping games that they two services have, but you still don't have one other game. It's frustrating, but the good thing is we can watch a lot of soccer if once you get set up doing that. It's expensive, which is, though. Which is true. Which is true. So, like, are there any other directions you might be able to take what you're doing now in? I, oh, I, I'm, I kind of just try to evolve whatever I'm currently doing, and I found that thinking too far ahead doesn't actually help me much as long as I just, the next thing I do, try to make it something that people enjoy. And then the next time after that, maybe it can be a little bit different and it can gradually become, become something else. Cause I wouldn't, I wouldn't have not thought that I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing right now, even six months ago. So it's kind of constantly changing and I, that's, I enjoy it. What are your plans for the world cup qualifying campaign, which starts in September? My plan is just to make a lot of videos. <laughs> and see how many likes I can get. I just want to get as many likes as possible. Simplify, man. Simplify. Get that dopamine hit. Oh, shoot. Um, well, this has been fun. I, I really have enjoyed getting to meet you and get to know you a little bit. And uh, there's so many interesting people doing interesting things in the U.S. soccer space, and uh, and you are one of them. So congratulations, and Chris Russell, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. It was great talking to you, Grant. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Chris Russell, as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview with someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>